warming touch of flesh. But in fact, the force of George Washington's personality is the most striking and most commonly overlooked aspect of the historical man. The widely accepted view of Washington as a man of limited ability, who was little more than a figurehead and effective symbol, is simply incorrect. Joseph Ellis, in his brilliant study of Washington, appropriately entitled His Excellency, expressed it perfectly. Washington was the most ambitious, determined, and potent personality of an age not lacking for worthy rivals. By focusing on compelling and revealing aspects of Washington's life and character, I attempt to make this remarkable man accessible to a wider readership. The flesh-and-blood George Washington is not the priggishly perfect George Washington, as portrayed by hagiographers like Parson Weems, the creator of the cherry tree myth. Washington can be justifiably criticized for his role as a slaveholder, his views on Native Americans, his land dealings, and his tactics as a general. He made mistakes, committed indiscretions, and occasionally engaged in deceit. He was excessively ambitious, extremely sensitive to criticism, and prone to greed and vindictiveness. Nevertheless, like most George Washington scholars, the more I have studied the man, the more I have come to admire him. Despite an intensely passionate personality with a capacity for violent outbursts, he came amazingly close to living up to the very difficult role he had chosen for himself to be a complete gentleman, and ultimately to be the embodiment of revolutionary virtue. As Richard Brookheiser notes, That is the striking thing about this man, the consistency of his behavior with his ideals, and his efforts over twenty-four years to make the two line up. Washington was not only a great man, he was a good man as well. His greatness is confirmed by his record of achievement. Few men have ever set higher goals or come closer to reaching them. As Don Higginbotham has effectively argued, Washington, with a clarity matched by no other founder, envisioned America as a nation of free men and women with a collective destiny. In striving to realize this goal, he tempered his vision with an insightfully realistic understanding of human nature. George Washington was not a brilliant man in the way Thomas Jefferson, Alexander Hamilton, and James Madison were brilliant, but he was an extremely wise man with a remarkably astute judgment on the really important issues of his time. I am fully cognizant that any effort to recover the flesh-and-blood Washington is difficult and can only be partially successful. Washington's words about the challenge facing an artist painting his portrait apply equally well to a historian seeking to sketch his likeness with words. I fancy the skill of this gentleman's pencil will be put to it in describing to the world what manner of man I am. Because of his reserve and his caution, Washington was not an easy man to know. He seemed as eager to put up barriers to his inner self as we are eager to peer behind them. In peering behind them, I follow William Sapphire's suggestion. 
Historians try mightily to get inside their subjects' minds. They enliven the written record with intuitive judgment after subjecting it to rigorous professional discipline. Since my assessments contain a significant amount of informed speculation, some readers will inevitably disagree with my conclusions. What fun would writing history be if everything were cut and dried and subject to exact measurement? Some may feel I have been unfair to Thomas Jefferson or too sympathetic to Alexander Hamilton. Others will think that I overemphasize the importance of Sally Carey Fairfax or Martha Custis in his life. I imagine some readers will think I have been too kind to Washington as a slaveholder, while perhaps even more will think I have been too harsh. Probably the most controversial chapter of my book will be the one focusing on Washington and religion, and especially on the question of his Christian beliefs. The current tension between those emphasizing a faith-based knowledge and those emphasizing a fact-based knowledge gives special relevance to Washington's warnings against the dangers of sectarianism and his strong support for complete religious liberty. If we truly wish to follow the Founding Father, we must first accurately understand his views. Over the past several years, I have been privileged to present a series of lectures on various aspects of George Washington's life and character at historic Gadsby's Tavern in Old Town, Alexandria, Virginia, and those lectures form the basis for the chapters in this volume. Whenever George Washington was appointed to a new position, he seemed constrained to point out that he was not properly qualified for the job. Whenever I am about to publish or publicly lecture on George Washington, I feel constrained to point out that I am an eclectic borrower. I owe a tremendous debt to a great many fine scholars. When brilliant wordsmiths like Joseph Ellis, Ron Chernow, and Paul Longmore make important points more effectively and succinctly than I can, I don't hesitate to use their words. Of course, I want to give explicit recognition in all such cases and believe that I have done so. If I have omitted any references, it is due to inadvertence and poor memory, and not from any wish to appropriate another scholar's words as my own. The following chapters, avoiding both cynicism and sentimentality, endeavor to humanize Washington without diminishing him. Despite his flaws, he was clearly the greatest man of his age and is ultimately an inspirational figure worthy of both admiration and affection. Passionate, ambitious, and determined, Washington was the rarest of men, a realistic visionary who combined a relentlessly realistic view of human nature with a vision of what a free and united America could be for millions unborn. He dedicated his public life to making that vision a reality. Chapter 1 His First Proving Ground George Washington and the French and Indian War The following quote is by William Shakespeare. If it be a sin to covet honor, I am the most offending soul alive. One of the most inspiring aspects of George Washington's life 
is the growth of the man. He was not, to quote Nathaniel Hawthorne, born with his clothes on and his hair powdered, nor did he make a stately bow on his first appearance in the world. Although numerous traits prominent in the mature man are clearly evident, the George Washington of the French and Indian War was in many ways not the same man as the George Washington of the American Revolution. Nevertheless, it was the events of the earlier conflict that shaped his character and philosophy, and thrust young Washington into the spotlight, thus setting the stage for him to emerge as the central and indispensable figure in the founding of America. It is a fascinating story, with its share of irony and tragedy, and it is perhaps the best place to begin the search for the flesh-and-blood figure of history. Lacking significant documentation, much of Washington's early life will remain forever shrouded in mystery, and thus be particularly susceptible to mythical interpretations such as the young boy who destroyed his father's cherry tree and then brought him to ecstasy by boldly confessing to the act with the immortal words, I can't tell a lie. George Washington did not become America's greatest leader by chance. He was not randomly chosen like those lucky winners of the multi-million dollar lotteries that seem to fascinate Americans with their promise of great success without great effort. Good fortune certainly played a role. As Thomas Jefferson noted, Never did nature and fortune combine more perfectly to make a man great. Time and time again, Washington was the right man at the right place at the right time. Yet if good fortune was involved, George Washington had a great deal to do with the final result. He agreed with those who counseled that...